0: Welcome back to another episode of the Legendary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Rice, and this is the show that's all about taking your health, body, and life to that next level. Today is going to be all about your health. I have a functional medicine practitioner, Dr. Ben House, on the show to tell us how to step up our game when it comes to health beyond diet, beyond the basics. And you're going to get a deep dive into the complexity of of optimal health and we'll talk about the difference between conventional medicine and functional medicine and more, before I get to that and tell you a little bit more about Dr. Ben House, I want to ask you, are you a hard gainer? Are you struggling to put on muscle? Are you going into the gym and putting in the effort, but not seeing the results in your body? If the answer is yes, then I want you to check out my new muscle building course. We put this on a teachable platform. It's all video courses with these downloads and a ton of bonuses. If you're someone who is looking to build muscle and you want the fastest way to do that and the most effective and also the safest way to do that, check out my course, go to legendarylifepodcast.com, click on the store tab, which is a brand new tab on our website. Check out the course read the description of the course, see if it resonates with you. And like I said, if you're someone who's struggling to put on lean muscle mass, this course will help get you there. It's full of some tried and true techniques that I've used for a long time, as well as brand new things brand new research by the way I didn't make this stuff up I put this together from some of the, learning from some of the best minds on this podcast and from some of the books I've reading this stuff works and it works dramatically go check it out at legendarylifepodcast.com go to the store you'll see the muscle building course click on it read it and if it's right for you download it and let me know show me the before and after pictures of your gains <laughs> so now, on to today's episode. Like I said, Dr. Ben House, he's a functional medicine practitioner. And I want to tell you, I first found out about Dr. Ben House through reading an article on testosterone. And right away, I could tell he was someone with a critical mind, someone who thought a bit deeper in this industry, there are people who will tell you, hey, just eat paleo. Hey, just do ketogenic diets. Hey, just take zinc to boost your testosterone. Just do this. Just do that. They make it sound so easy, so simple. And you know what? Some people, that's all they need. They just need to dial in the basics. But today, you're going to understand why if you've got things dialed in, if you got your movement down, your sleep down, your stress management down, if you're doing those basics, but yet you're still not feeling good, if you still have some sleep issues, if you still have trouble losing fat, if you still have low sex drive and all these other things, even though you're putting your effort in to eating better and to getting adequate sleep and to exercising enough, Dr. Ben is going to explain to you all the things that can go wrong. And I got him on the show today because he's a guy who teaches people like me. So it's a bit deep, but I want you to hang in there. I want you to listen and I want you to learn. And if you're struggling with some health issues and your doctor isn't helping you and exercise and sleep hygiene and eating a quote unquote healthy diet isn't helping you, I want you to pay close attention because you probably need someone like Dr. Ben House to consult with. Enough talk, let's get to the interview with Dr. Ben House from functionalmedicinecostarica.com. Dr. Ben House, welcome to The Legendary Life Podcast. Thanks
1: for having me, I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, I found out about you through an article that you wrote on testosterone, someone shared it, I read it, and I immediately saw that you were someone who thought critically about things. And one of the things that I try to do on this podcast, which is probably not a very good business model, Ben, but I wanna figure out like, okay, what are all those nuances, right? We have so many people who are saying, hey, just eat paleo, which I know you have a lot of opinions about, or just do low carb or just do high intensity interval training or just do five by five. People love these simple solutions, but a lot of times it doesn't work for people. A lot of times it didn't work for me and my clients, and I had to think a little bit deeper. And I saw that reflected in, in that article that you wrote and also the, all the articles that I've
1: read since then. So really excited to get into this interview with you. Yeah, I think that's it's one of the problems in our industry, right? Is like when anything's like super complex, we just automatically like to simplify it. And that that's maybe it's dangerous in my mind, but it tends to just be a human tendency. And so I'm always after, I think the simple side of complexity is important. But we have to, we can't just throw the complexity out. We gotta gotta have some respect for it. And so that's where I like to live.
0: Yeah, very cool. And Ben, I'd love for you to, we've got a lot to cover today. I know this is going to be just an amazing conversation on longevity, on testosterone, on how to be our best as we get older. But I want people to know where you're coming from. So you got a PhD in nutrition, but then you made a switch and you were thinking about going to medical school and you are a doctor, right? But you made this switch into functional medicine. I'd love to hear a little bit about how that happened for you, why you made the switch, And then what functional medicine is for someone who is maybe listening to this podcast and haven't heard some of the others where we talked about this stuff, because, man, I want to promote functional medicine, believe it's so important. Yes.
1: So I got my PhD in nutrition from UT Austin. And before that, I was accepted to medical school and I rescinded because my dad got really, really sick and so he was like in the medical model on like every painkiller known to man he had uh, his gallbladder removed 10 inches of his colon removed and so I like just seeing him go through that process and having my godfather's a dentist and he was like hey don't do it you're gonna accrue if you're not crazy about the the profession don't accrue like $200,000 worth of debt so that you're married to that profession right that really hit me because I was on the fence and so then I just started applying to other like my I love nutrition right and so I was on kind of a walkabout when I was mm, I was 20 at the time and I was in Boulder just sitting at a Zen center and I talked this guy I don't know how he even got started but I told him about my dad and he recommended this book Breaking the Vicious Cycle and it's it's basically paleo but you make your own yogurt. And so I gave my dad the book he started making his own yogurt, he immediately cut out all grains, and he was symptom free in three days. And I was just like, holy shit, this is it. Like, this is, and obviously, like, that's the simple side, right? Then then I started, as a 20 year old, I'm like, oh, everybody needs this. And if you don't eat like this, you're wrong. But I was wrong. So then I luckily, man, getting into UT was just, a, it was a, it was probably one of the craziest things I've ever done. They have a 0.1 percent acceptance rate, and I didn't get in my first time around. And then they called. They actually gave me. It was like it was like January, and I didn't get in. I like went into a master's program, and then they called me in January. There was like, "Hey, can you submit your application again?" And so I submitted my application again for that next fall. And within 24 hours, they got back to me, and I was one of four in my class. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's so excellent. It was just, yeah, it was crazy. Just a crazy, just to be able to run a metabolic trial and just to be able to live in that world was was an honor. But like anything, like academia, I knew right away, like I didn't want to live in that that realm. I worked in the private sector and I knew that was where I was going to go. Even my mentor, my graduate advisor was like, there's no way you're going to work in academia. Like I'm not even going to push you to do a post. Because <laughs> it was just too slow, right? Like you think about so from a conventional medicine realm, you, we can debate whether this is good or bad. And I think everything is contextual. But so it takes some RCTs, right? They can take 20 years. Like if you're following people for a really long time, they can take a they can incredible amount of time. So but let's just take a two year randomized control trial, maybe looking at some whatever, we, maybe testosterone, something like that. And so we have they run the trial and then they have to get the. Data published, so they have to first. They have to try to get funding, right? So there's there's like three to four years. Then you run a study, that's two. Then you spend two years in publication. Now you're already like eight to ten years behind, and then it takes seventeen years to get that information to clinic. Yeah, you're looking at, and so a lot of people in the testosterone world, they like default these guys who are fifty to sixty, and they're they're practicing cookbook medicine from the eighties. But I'm like, hey, this is what they know. There's no like. You may not be able to teach an old dog new tricks at this point, and so they're dangerous. They only have one tool, and they like to use it, and so we need to, as men, we need to be super educated about that, and that's, that's why I write so many articles about testosterone because... Once you go on TRT, you can't come most likely you can't come back, especially if you go on a long time because the research on TRT is pretty solid, right? Like long term, we've been fed a, a really bad story about testosterone in a box and it all has to do with baseball. And it's really unfortunate, super unfortunate, like Barry Bonds and Sammy S- and Mark McGuire kind of screwed it up for us there's this huge, like American thing against cheating. And it's, it's going to be really, really, <laughs> really, it's going to be so exciting to see what happens because in China, they just changed people's genomes. They just literally changed one SNPs, Right. For, and so
0: testosterone or are you no, talking like, about for
1: athletes or. Yeah. So what happens? So right now we're all, we're trying to like, the OTC is like, sh- like no DHEA all, they have all these things that you can't take. Right. There's all these banned substances list. But what happens when we start modifying humans at the genetic level? Like, mm. what are you going to do then, bro? <laughs> We're at this really cool intersection of, of kind of science and health and performance. And I think we need to remember that most of performance benefits right now are driven through health. And it's a really fine line, right? So, like, what happens? We have this genetic predisposition for this something like maybe it's depression, right? So maybe you're going to have a kid and you find out that you and your wife are both heterozygous for this gene that has gives like conjures up depression. So there's a 25% chance that your that your offspring is going to have homozygous for that gene, right? And I might be losing people with homozygous heterozygous, but it's Mendelian inheritance. And so now, what if you could see that genome and you could change it in utero now most people would say yeah let's do it right but you do that what else now all of a sudden you've just opened pandora's box oh what if i change a myostatin gene now all of a sudden my kid's jacked as fuck right (laughs) (laughs) like and like these are real things that are gonna in my life in our lifetimes i think these things are gonna happen right and so pharmacokinetics is like supplements and all that stuff is is one route what we do diet and lifestyle is one route but we may, humans are, if you've read, have you read Homo Dios by the same author as not. Sapiens?
0: No, I haven't.
1: It's, it's mind blowing. It's, okay. he's, he's amazing. He's amazing. And so this science may just get so far ahead. And it it's gonna be really cool to see. I'm excited just to be alive right now and to be able to like jump into PubMed and talk about this type of stuff.
0: Yeah, well, man, there, there was a lot in what you said there. I want to rewind a little bit though, because the myostatin genes and the Mendelian inheritance and uh, yeah, and we can unpack some of that for people so they understand in case they weren't geeking out in biology classes like you and I were. But let's talk about functional medicine. Let's talk about conventional medicine and a little bit, and then have you kind of talk about where functional medicine fits in. Why should I care about it at all? A lot of people, we we talked about this before we hopped on. Obamacare is being taken away. What's going to come next? I want affordable health care, but that isn't where I want people's heads at. So I'm all about functional medicine. What do you have to say about where conventional medicine is and why you're so passionate about functional medicine that you even chose it as a career path?
1: yeah, man. So conventional medicine, by its very definition, is looking for diseases. So it's it's looking for lagging indicators. It's not addressing health. And so I, I will be completely honest that I'm not enamored with the term functional medicine. There's a lot i it's both good. there's a dark side to it right now. and that's people that are, not being evidence based, and, and so there's good and bad people in every realm, right? There's, yeah, and, your and chakras
0: there's, are rotating in the opposite direction, so that's why you have uh cancer, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> we have to respect the woo, right? Like, I, I'd never like write off woo stuff, but if your woo thing has like seven studies that say it doesn't work, like, I'm gonna we're, we need to have a chat, right? <laughs> um, good point, <laughs> and also one of the the biggest errors in functional medicine is an error of omission, right? So I think you have a vitamin B6 deficiency when you really have, you know, like cancer, right? So something something bad, right? Your white blood cells are 2.9. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll give you some zinc and some glutamine. Like, no, that needs to be referred out. And, and so mm-hmm. we can get in trouble in functional medicine if we don't respect Pathologies, right? If we think anything, if we put, try to, it's just like anything. We shove everything in our box, we're going to get in trouble, right? And so functional medicine is, it's really looking for problems before they start. And that's important. But I will say this the answer to all this healthcare stuff is not more access to your doctor. Mm. Because my favorite analogy for this, I think it's a Sachin Patelism. So if I gave you constant access to a car mechanic, would you take care of your car?
0: I would like to believe I would. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But most people would. Oh,
0: "Oh." oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, I'm just gonna run this thing into the dirt because Mm -hmm. I'll just take it into Bob who's going to fix it and no problem. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying.
1: Yeah. So if you have constant free access to a car mechanic, you're not going to take care of your car. You're not going to care about it. Right. That's the mentality that I, that I, I want to say most Americans, but a large portion. And, and it's not their fault, right? The generations before me, they were fed. They trust the white coat. You can see it, right? Yeah. Like anybody, anybody that has doctrine in front of their name, they like take it as gospel. I'm like, oh, whoa, dude. That guy, that guy studied in 1985. And so – It's really, we have to educate consumers, right? And there's going to be people that are not ready yet. And that's fine. Like, I'm not going to yell at you about, you go ahead. Think that a pill is going to solve all your problems. I don't care. But people that want to listen, I'm going to be there to talk.
0: Yeah, it's really important. And I actually have a very good doctor. He takes time. And I went in there not too long ago. And he took the time and explained things to me. But there, like you said, he is viewing things from this model where get the funding for the trial, run the trial, publish the results in 10 to 15 years, that's when it hits medical education for doctors or, you know, and that's when they start to implement it. And I feel like people like you are on the cusp of, okay, well, here's what we're going to try to do, at least the way I understand it is we're going to look at what's going on now for things that may become problems, or perhaps you have something subclinical, like I'm tired all the time, or I can't lose fat, or I can't build muscle, and I get, I'm get i inflamed in my joints for some reason, and I don't have any major injuries. And you go to your doctor, and he gives the battery of blood tests and says, hey, you're fine here. Your C-reactive protein's good. All your markers for metabolic health are good. And that's kind of where you exist, right? And, And other
1: people in the functional medicine world. Yeah. So the conventional realm, we don't want to bore people with statistics, but you have to be two standard deviations away from the mean. So that means you have to be very, very different. Than everyone else walking into that lab core or quest, right? And I don't know about you, but I don't want to look like 99% of the people walking into Quest or Lab Core. Like those people are going to Quest or Lab Core because they have a problem, right? So you're already let's talk about
0: that, Ben. Let let me interject there because I think some people may not understand. What you're talking about now is how they even figure out the values for what is normal and what's not. Can you talk a
1: little bit about that and then finish uh, follow up with your point? Yeah, there's only a few standardized values across the US, like vitamin D is one of them, cholesterol is one of them, glucose and hemoglobin A1C are standardized. But other than that, your reference ranges are set by the lab. Like for instance, TSH is a good one. Like you can be hypothyroid in New York, but not hypothyroid in Colorado. (laughs) Um, So like, I I don't know if if that's exactly right. But the ranges depend on where you are. And my favorite kind of way to describe this and how people it really helps people get it is BMI percentiles for children. All mm-hmm. right. So if we have BMI percentiles for children, and so essentially, if you're over 85 percent, you're overweight. Right. And then mm-hmm. and so but if every kid gets fatter, all of a sudden <laughs> your BMI percentiles go up. Right. So now a kid that was that was not fat in 2000, it will a kid that's like normal weight in 2000 is, is super skinny, right? And someone who's overweight and is now underweight, right? And so if, if you perpetually get more and more unhealthy, you're going to skew your markers farther and farther and farther out. And so what we do in the functional medicine realm is we look at kind of what the research says, and we try to tighten those values up. And then we work inside those tightened values. Some of us can work inside pathologies if you have those letters after your name. Or, you, or for instance, if we hire an MD down in Costa Rica, then I can kind of play. Also in Costa Rica, you can get pharmaceuticals without a prescription. Yeah, it's a very different world. And so and it costs 50 bucks to go to a doc. It's just a very different, you pay for service. They have socialized medicine, but really nobody uses it. It's just an interesting yeah. thing. Let's talk a little bit about
0: what you feel people are missing when it comes to optimizing their health. I'll give you an example. A lot of people are listening to this podcast. They've heard all the people come on here talking about particular way of eating, about sleep, about you know lifestyle. They go to other podcasts. They hear other experts say the same thing. And a lot of people, like we talked about earlier, they want simple. They want to, okay, well, so should I do the whole 30 Or should I do the paleo diet or should I just go low carb or maybe should I try ketogenic diets? Can you tell us how you would coach someone, a patient who came to you who was 40 plus looking to lose some fat, maybe get a little more in shape, maybe build a little bit of muscle? And like what would you do for that person who showed up, didn't have any major issues from their blood work with their doctor, but maybe they have some energy issues. Maybe they have pre-diabetic levels with their hemoglobin A1C, but they're not full-blown diabetic. How do you get that person and change things around so that they're on the right track and they start to get the best health that they can at whatever age?
1: Yeah, that's the majority of our clients, right, that Mm -hmm. are coming to us. I have the honor to work with a lot of athletes, and that's a completely different question. And so I've found that, like, most people, they want to live in that athlete realm or they take things that athletes do. But that's not what we need to do in this circumstance. We need to look at this person look at their life and what they're doing. So I would spend every one of my initials, that's like in the conventional realm, you're gonna see a doctor for five, like seven minutes is the average console time. Like my average console time is two hours, right? And so I spend a ton of time with people just asking them questions about their life, what they do. And so I can get those contextual kind of cues so that I can individualize things as best as I can right now. And so for that man, one of my tenants is I'd never wanna pay to watch chaos, Like, if if someone's not sleeping, if someone's eating, like, one serving of vegetables a day, they get, like, 4,000 steps a day. Like, I don't really care what your lab work looks like. Yeah, like, yeah, cool. You could, like, even if your lab work comes back great, I've just really kind of, I've bolstered up those habits, right? Like, look, you can do this. You don't even look that bad, right? And so uh, getting lab work is really, really important, but we have to always, it's just objective data. And so what I would do is I would, obviously most people who are 20 pounds overweight, their lab work's not gonna be perfect. So if you live that lifestyle, we have to change it. So you have to sleep. You have to eat more vegetables, probably 10 to 13 servings a day. And we have to figure out how your GI system can take that. Because honestly, like, Most people walking around, they're not like not in America. They're probably not micronutrient deficient, but they're just not eating a very good diet. Right. It is. So that's the benefit. Like, so you take anyone. That's why all the dietary research is is so it all works. Right. At some level, it all works like vegan, everything like you want to you want to pick a diet that you love. You can find research to back you up. And so what they've done is they've generally, they had this huge panel at one of the big com- IFM conferences and they, they had all these people up there from every diet, right? All these diet gurus. And they all agreed like that we need to stop eating processed food. And that's like 50% of America's diet. So they all agreed and <laughs> we all need to eat more vegetables. And so if you sleep, you eat more vegetables, you have some kind of stress reduction program and you have some baseline level of movement. If you can do all four of those things, that's my first goal. You have to show me that you can master the fundamentals. I might give you some supplements to to help you out, right? But it, if you can't master those fundamental principles of health, you know, I'm just trying to put wheels back on a car that's moving and I'm not really going to be able to fix it, right? Does that, does that help you out? We need to master
0: the fundamentals. And, and what you're saying is that even if you show up to your doctor and he's like, well, you're in perfect health. I mean, you should lose those 10 or 15 pounds. You should lose some weight, right? Not even lose fat. Usually it's weight, whatever that means. Eat,
1: eat, eat less, move more. Thanks. thanks, yeah, buddy. Eat, Matt, eat, <laughs> thanks. eat less, move more. But you're thanks.
0: saying, hey, instead of using that standard, I mean, it's good to have your blood work, but hold yourself to a more functional standard, if you will. Are you getting your 10,000 steps? Are you getting at least seven hours of sleep per night? Are you having 10 to 13 servings of vegetables per day? Yeah. Are those the recommendations that you have everybody hit before you start getting deeper with them?
1: Yeah. So we have this analogy, right? Like if a plant is wilting, you're not going to paint the leaves green, right? You're going to want to give it water. You're going to want to give it sunlight. You're going to want to give it nutrients, right? If we see like most Americans, like we look at their faces and and they just walk around, like you can see like people are wilting, man. Absolutely. And so those people, they need water, they need nutrients, (laughs) they need sleep and they need sunlight. We need all those things. So if you're not getting those things, I'm not really helping you, right? And so that's why I have a lot of issues with functional medicine. Like you can run your genome through every, like every GWAS study ever and come back with like 700 supplements but if if you're not sleeping and you're not moving, who like you could who knows, man? And so there's we gotta cover the low-hanging fruit before we go after all the and I'm I'm fine going down the rabbit hole. I love going down the rabbit hole. But make sure we have that low-hanging fruit covered before we go down that road.
0: Yeah, and, and most of the people listening to this are obviously on board with that because uh, they get hammered with it all the time for me and all the guests, but it bears repeating because some people are looking for like, oh, maybe I need to take, a, I have low energy. Maybe I need to take some some B12 or something, or maybe I need to try some nootropics. And it's like, well, how much sleep did you get last night? Okay, six hours? Not terrible, but not great either. How about how much sunlight did you get? Oh, you haven't had any all week long because you <laughs> because you work inside? And yeah, fluorescent lamps don't count as sunlight, by the way. So That's a great point. How about we go down, let's talk about some things that that are talked about. Let's talk about gut health. Let's talk about hormones. Let's talk about food intolerances. Let's talk about each of those things and how you help people dial those in when they do have the basics handled
1: yeah yeah so if we've got the fundamentals handled and there's still stuff going on like that's kind of the, so that we've changed this person's diet they're eating you know they're not eating any processed food anymore most of their diet is whole food they're sleeping well right they have some kind of stress management program that's a word bad word like stress management maybe it's like stress perception right whatever you want to call it and so they've, they've dialed in those fundamentals and they're and they're still not getting results and so there's 150 loops like this is a this is an estimation by one of the smartest man I, men I know is Brandon Brock of Cerebrum. And so there's about 150 loops in the human body, right? And so as functional medicine doctors, practitioners, whatever you want to call us, we're essentially loop breakers, right? Let's kind of zone in on this, you know, this 40-year-old man who's 20 pounds overweight and he has these low testosterone symptoms. Like he can't gain muscle in the gym. Maybe he just, his mood isn't that good. He's kind of a little bit depressed. He's not as motivated as he once was which are super common things to get from that age group, right? And so let's talk about the testosterone loops. So micronutrient deficiencies related to testosterone, We you know, vitamin B6, magnesium, zinc, vitamin A and D, those are all related. If you're deficient in them, you will be low in testosterone, right? And so now if you're deficient in vitamin D, why are you not seeing the sun? Like what's going on with your circadian rhythms? Testosterone is a circadian rhythm hormone. So none of those are probably just a pill, right? If your zinc is low, what's going on with your immune system? Is your immune system just churning through zinc? What's going on with your stomach acid? Do you not have the ability to absorb zinc through your digestive system, right? Can you not activate B6 because you don't have other B vitamins, right? It's that complexity, right? And so even with micronutrients, it gets complicated. Now you throw in the fact that stress it really does a number on that hypothalamic pituitary and gonadal axis. So essentially our brain talking to our testicles. So stress inhibits that at the level of the brain and at the level of the testicles. Now you need thyroid hormone to even have the testicles uptake to cholesterol to make testosterone. So there's so many loops in play for a man and testosterone that to not really give those loops credence, it's a crime in my life. So, if, so, if you have a, a guy who's 20 pounds overweight, just the fact that they have that much adipose tissue that is essentially an estrogen factory is a giant red light. Can you have that guy lose 15 pounds of adipose tissue? And then what happens to their testosterone? Right? Instead of having a low testosterone, sometimes you can't break that loop, right? So, sometimes that won't break it. So, but you can. So, here's kind of a good example. The Journal of Endocrinology says that we – this is the journal that endocrinologists and those TRT docs are supposed to read. We should use lifestyle modifications before we use drugs, all Right? We reasonable. have to try – reasonable, right? Try all the things before you hook somebody up to a, an EFT payment every month for the rest of their life. Right. But you can see the, the danger in that for the doctor, right? Well, wait, I don't make a lot of money off sleep and you losing weight. I make a lot of money. Off, I pay for my Maserati out here by you paying every month for that thing.
0: By the way, I uh, know a lot of TRT doctors who do, ex- oh, your your testosterone is only 500 nanograms per uh, millimole or whatever the for a deciliter, whatever. It's like let, we need these uh, up much higher.
1: Nanograms per
0: deciliter, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Tell us. Right Yeah, so, and I'm not knocking that. Like, there's guys that do that really well in the conventional realm, and they're they're honorable, but there's guys that aren't, right? It's like that in every profession, right? And so you want to try all those lifestyle things first. You want to make sure you're getting all those nutrients. You want to try to lose weight. You want to look at your GI function. You want to look at your life. So the fastest way for me to put somebody on TRT, I overtrain them. I have them not sleep for five days, and I dehydrate them. So they'll have less free testosterone running around. And so you want to get put on TRT, go do that. Like just dehydrate yourself, overtrain yourself, and don't sleep. Why and, and the dehydration gonna, part? Does that raise stress uh, hormones yeah. or so dehydration is gonna raise so this is a great question. So testosterone is bound in blood. So when they're looking at these values, like so they're looking at production. So when we look at serum, we're looking at the production of testosterone. And then we also have the binding of testosterone. So about two-thirds of testosterone is bound to sex hormone binding globulin. And then a third of it is bound to albumin. So if albumin, it's, it's termed bioavailable if it's bound to albumin. And so if I dehydrate you, I can drive up albumin. And so if I drive up albumin through dehydration, I that if I use a free testosterone calculator, it, it wouldn't – if you use like the – if you pay to get a free testosterone, it may be still be valid. I'm not sure, I don't know the research on dehydration. I don't actually run that test. I try to make things as cost effective as possible. So I'll grab a comprehensive metabolic panel to get albumin and I'll grab a sex hormone binding globulin and I'll grab total testosterone. And then from there, we can kind of look at, we can look at a free testosterone calculator. But so a TRT doc, so if we think about their mindset, right? They may be looking for any way, cause they're, they live in that conventional realm. If they do something wrong, they can have malpractice. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they have all these numbers that you have to be below. So if you're essentially if you're under 10 percent free testosterone, boom, you've checked a box. Now they can't get from my understanding. Now, if you took them to court, they could not get sued. Because you had all these symptomatology, right? You had low mood, couldn't gain muscle, you whatever you had on the ADAM questionnaire, which is a questionnaire for male health. And so you checked all those boxes, and then you had low free testosterone, even though your total testosterone was maybe at like 550. And, and so so from that standpoint, you want to, we have, there's this acronym, it's a horrible acronym, it's called PTSD. So pr- we look at production, right? And then we look at transport. Transport is primarily sexual hormone binding globulin and albumin, just to kind of, go back to where we were. And then we have sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Now, the hormone that we can measure sensitivity with is insulin. It's pretty much the only hormone that I know of. Like with an oral glucose tolerance test, you give somebody a bolus of sugar and then you see what happens. It's how, how high does insulin go, right? So that's an insulin sensitivity test. At UT, we use, we had, I like to like have a $200,000 piece of paper, right? <laughs> <laughs> people, people can't fathom that, right? So I have I have frequently sampled intravenous glucose tolerance test data on 100 people. Every one of those tests cost $1,000, right? And so like people see research and they don't like necessarily, they can't comprehend that. But an OGT is actually not that expensive. It's not, you don't have to stay at a hospital, you can get it done. That's looking at sensitivity for insulin. Sorry for the tansy. Now, we cannot look right now. We don't. I don't know if we can. Maybe we can in the, in the research setting, but in the clinical setting that's available to you and I, we can't look at androgen receptor sensitivity. We can't say, oh, man, this guy's got a t- total testosterone of 500, but he's using 99 percent of it. He's got like these Prius receptors that take in all the testosterone and he's jacked out of his mind, right? So the total testosterone, is, it's not a bench press number. It You probably want it over 550, right? There's enough – prospective longitudinal research to show you that if you drop under that you may increase your risk for like cross-sectionally if you have low testosterone you have like 2.4 greater chance of obesity 1.99 times greater chance of depression like there's all these like basically all your risk of all these chronic diseases goes up but that's it's important to talk about that that is related cross-sectionally so when you pick out a population that has low testosterone what are you also picking out people that don't sleep people that maybe don't eat fruits and vegetables right so, there's the, it's probably may not be causal, it may just be like a, yeah, a correlation. correlation.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Cor- yeah. 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 And it, the last one we have is D. So, the last okay. one we have is disposal, right? And so, we can get a look at production, we can get a look at transport. We can't look at sensitivity, we can look at disposal. So, you're going to get rid of all testosterone through estrogen. And so, estrogen metabolism is through the liver. And that's phase one to phase two. So phase one is going to go through an enzyme called Comp-T or transferase. That's the enzyme that adds a methyl group to that estrogen byproduct. And then that biotransformed thing has to go through the GI tract to go away, right? And so you, you need liver function and you need GI function so that estrogen doesn't get reabsorbed. Um, does that help? And those yeah. are things that we can look at. Let me try to um, yeah, try translate to that, like that into English for people <laughs>
0: who are just... Listening and and maybe don't have a degree in in medicine or or biology. So, what you're saying is you look at the, the production, which is in the testes, and you mentioned all these other things like the thyroid can also be an issue with testosterone production, micronutrient deficiencies. You named a bunch of different ones zinc, B6, and some others. So, that can be an issue. You can also get an issue with transport. You talked about how. We have, I mean, total testosterone, which is just, okay, how much testosterone do you have floating around in your At your that serum? point in the day,
1: right? So and if you take a total testosterone measurement at, you know, 5 p.m., it's going to be a lot different than 8 a.m. Because that's a circadian rhythm hormone.
0: Oh, yeah. Let's, let's talk about that in a second. Let me try to wrap things up. So there's free testosterone, which is the stuff that's actually not bound to either the albumin or the sex hormone-binding globulin, which which renders it inactive, as I understand. So that's an issue. And then we can't check for sensitivity, at least in a clinical setting. I know a guy, by the way, who talks all about training to maximize androgen receptor receptivity. I, w- I would love to to maybe talk about that on a later podcast if you're not familiar with it. But I'm like, man, that sounds like a bunch of bullshit. But
1: Yeah, I studies on that. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, right. It's like, no, just do uh, because me the your traps and shoulders have more androgen receptors than than other places. But anyway, yeah, I, d- I didn't really understand. It sounded like pseudoscientific, but some science in there, but mostly not. Anyway, so and then
1: you said it's the good. disposal. What was that, Ben? So there's that's called the hormone hypothesis. The fact that exercise drives up testosterone and growth hormone acutely, but there's a great paper by Brad Schoenfeld on that. It's it's like it may have a small influence on hypertrophy, but it's definitely not the end all be all. Like it's a small blip on the on the radar. And so I think training to drive those things up is is, is probably not what you want. That's not you may get it right if you do higher volume training, but like it's, you don't want to train for that. Like I grew up in the 90s, man, like we had all these muscle fitness magazines like the GH workout. Like, oh, yeah, and it's, it, it may help. It may help. Right. But it, it's probably going to have if it does help, it's a, it's a very moderate increase.
0: Yeah. It sounded like a cool marketing. I might be wrong. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's what I'll say. I'll I'll send it to you. And and I'm very curious because I asked uh, Dr. Joel Seedman, who's a a very knowledgeable strength and conditioning guy about it. And he's like, yeah, haven't heard of that one. And he (laughs) he obviously uh, knows all about, or, you you know, if you're familiar with him, he knows all about that, all about the hormonal response to exercise and all the, everything else to do with exercise. So yeah, you know what, let's shift the conversation a little bit because I want to make this practical for people as well. Let's focus on the things that we can do. So we've talked about sleep and getting some movement and not overdoing. You mentioned if you wanted to trash testosterone levels, you would dehydrate someone, you would over-exercise them, and you would sleep deprive them. So based on that, you know what you need to do to kind of optimize levels, right? Get sleep, drink enough water, and work out, but not too much. So let's talk a little bit about the micronutrient thing, because I think it's so important And I'll tell you why I'm bringing this up because it's a bit of a personal thing too. I thought I was eating pretty well and I had some gut issues. I wasn't eating enough vegetables, even though I eat way more than Mm. your average American, right? At least five servings a day. This is in my 20s. And then I started to figure out I'm not feeling so good based on what I'm doing. Something must be wrong. Can you talk a little bit about what people can do to make sure they're getting the right nutrition and also absorbing it? Because gut problems are, are everywhere. I mean, how do you
1: fix those things without seeing someone like you, Ben? Yeah, when we think about the micronutrient, there's not a – I'll kind of repeat Brian Walsh here – like I'm very skeptical of spectra cell, all the shotgun kind of assays for micronutrients, I just don't see that research. And it's like, if you give a lymphocyte vitamin A, does it grow? Like I don't know if that like is respective of the tissue of micronutrients, right? And so we have this other problem in America that people don't necessarily like to talk. So when I, whenever we think micronutrients, I'll, I'll kind of make this practical for people, I'll stop going crazy science. So we have intake, we have absorption, and we have use right? Or we have, or we have loss, right? And so the best way to think of this is iron, right? Because so iron, if you're a female, you need a lot of iron because you lose iron every month if you're menstruating, right? So your intake, the fat, like you want to get anemic, become a vegan and have a heavy menstrual flow. You're going to be depleted in B vitamins and you're not going to be able to make hemoglobin and you're not going to be able to carry oxygen real fast. Like, let me tell you, you're going to feel like shit. And so now to absorb iron, so we have intake. So this vegan's intake is low. Now to absorb iron, you need vitamin C, you need hydrochloric acid, and you need intestinal health, right? And you probably don't want any infections in your gut because infections are going to eat iron. Those are all things that can throw off one nutrient, right? That's iron. Now, if we don't understand the complexity of all those nutrients and we just slap, now you can probably take a multivitamin. I, I think multivitamin, like a good source, I use pure genomics by pure encapsulations. It's, it's well sourced. It's not super heavy handed. And I think we're fine there. But now intake first. That's what you're kind of like. I was eating this really good diet and I don't feel like I, I feel like I was kind of still not getting the micronutrients I need right. now. We get most of our micronutrients like the best way to think about this is magnesium. So magnesium, like iron is the central molecule for hemoglobin. Magnesium is a central molecule for chlorophyll. So we get most of our micronutrients from plants. You can get some from beef liver and things like that. I mean, if you can get people to eat it, that's because those animals, those, those ruminants, they store those nutrients in their livers, right? And so you're, you're essentially eating a giant beef vitamin. And so from a micronutrient standpoint, you want to make sure that you're intaking them. And now the problem is our food supply. So when the normal conventional farm will re-put in three nutrients to allow the plant to grow, but plants need 30 nutrients. So if you do this all the time, if you constantly deplete the nutrient because we get the nutrients from the soil, right? And so if our soil is depleted of nutrients, our food is depleted of nutrients, right? And so how accurate is our food database even for those micronutrients? It's, we know that it's going to depend on where you get your food, how long it's transported, right? And so it's not a simple answer. It's never going to be in our current food climate. And so that's why I, I do use a multivitamin. So I kind of cover – I want to make sure that people aren't deficient in anything first and foremost. And then I also have this crazy spreadsheet that I've nerded out from. and And so I put people's diet – in a spreadsheet, and I look at what nutrients are low. Like, if you only eat cucumbers, carrots, and red onions, what are you missing? And you don't eat a lot of oysters, like, what is your diet naturally deficient in? And Because most people are habitual, right? They eat the same Absolutely. shit. Absolutely. And, and so, doing that can be, if we you want to get your micronutrients, know where you get your food, eat it locally, and then eat a bunch of different stuff. Eat Every time you go to the grocery store, try something that you don't that you don't normally eat. And that's one of the reasons we re- we moved to the rainforest. I get my produce from literally, it sounds crazy. I get my produce from a farm delivered to me that is in the cloud forest that like they're, they use zero pesticides and they're, it's amazing. Right. And so that obviously not everyone can do that. Do the best you can.
0: Yeah. That's a great point. And man, it makes me want to move to Costa Rica. I was there probably 10 years ago and I had a great time Anyway, but you're bringing up a great point. So, take a, a multivitamin. You said Pure Genomics uh, makes a good multivitamin. Is that the brand you use? And what's uh, the name it's of the product? Pure, pure encapsulation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. There's a Pure Genomics that I use. So, um, there you go for vitamin recommendation. But, yeah, the, you bring up such a great point. And you also made a great point before that, which is we don't really have effective ways of assessing What's optimal? And Ben, do we even know what's optimal, man? I mean, we know what causes rickets or scurvy, and we know the RDA, but what actually
1: is optimal? Does anyone have any clue on that? So, this is something that's really, really important to discuss because we have to remember that nutritional science is very new, right? It's maybe, you know, 50, 100 years old, which is super, it's super new, right? And so, we look at the kind of the most controversy is probably vitamin D. And so like you have the the RDA for vitamin, like if you're under 30, you're deficient. Everybody agrees you're deficient, right? But the RDA for the tolerable upper intake is actually really, really low by NIH. It's like, I think it's 2,000 IUs a day. And the endocrine society has their tolerable upper intake at 10,000 IUs a day. And they want people to be over fifty nanomoles per deciliter. Right? So a lot of vitamin D. I might be, I think I got that right, but I might be crucifying that. And so they want a different number. Now you talk to Chris Masterjohn, who is, who is in my mind, just a vitamin D savant, right? And that guy's like, okay, so if we really understand vitamin D, vitamin D is needed for calcium absorption. If you supplement with vitamin D, you better supplement with all the fat soluble vitamins. You better monitor serum calcium. And you better not think that vitamin D is a substitution for the sun. Mm. And I would implore your listeners to listen to him talk about it because it's, it's going to go deep and he's going to lose you a little bit, but but he's amazing in what he knows. And it's always fun to listen to people who are really good at their craft. And so if we think about vitamin D, and now there's research in the Journal of the International Society of Sports Nutrition just put out this paper in 2005, 2015 by DollQuest. And it's that if maybe because muscles are loaded with vitamin D receptors, There's a lot of animal data that if you push above 100, double, double the endocrine society's recommendation, way, way more than Chris Masterjohn is ever going to recommend, you're going to get more of a hypertrophy response. And they found this in animals. Right. And so what is the downside of going crazy high in vitamin D? It's that you're going to be deficient in those other fat soluble vitamins and that you could potentially rise serum calcium, and you could cause calcification, which you don't want, right? In your arteries, (laughs) not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you don't want a bunch of calcium coming around, right? And so what we, if we manage, they found, this is kind of, I can quote the, the research, they've had elderly people that have taken 2 million IUs of vitamin D, and it only had a slight elevation in their calcium, right? And so what's the risk reward? That's what we're always assessing with people in my mind, the risk reward for B vitamins is like, you're just going to piss them out. It's it's just monetary. Right. And and I might be wrong. There might be some crazy epigenetic thing that if you take too much B12, you're overmethylated and you're get cancer. I don't know. Like that, like the, the complexity, like one of the things is like, if you're not, most of us are probably going to be wrong. Right. The point of science. And, and this is like, where I get really mad at functional medicine, people who don't have like a they're not rooted in science, like Mm. your goal is not to prove anything. Like, I don't care, I don't want you to prove your cookbook methodologies, I don't give a shit, right? Your goal is not to prove anything. Your goal is to disprove yourself. Mm. And I I think that's where one of the biggest dangers in the functional medicine is, you have to constantly try to disprove yourself and basically Bruce Lee yourself, like what's really working. And we're not doing that. The answer isn't to have more, the answer is probably less. Yeah. yeah, I love that point. And
0: it's such an important one. So many of us, we get into our dogmas and in the diet world. And you're saying it happens, of course, in the functional medicine world. Yeah. So very important. And what you're saying it's I hope what people take away from that is how complex this whole optimal health idea is. And if you are listening and you're trying to be your own doctor or your own biohacker, and it would behoove you to actually hire someone like, like you, Ben, to really get straightened out on what is right for you, who knows how to with someone who knows how to read the lab reports, who knows how to assess things, and who knows, obviously, you're, you're extremely knowledgeable. You understand the intricacies. You also understand what you don't know as well from just listening to you. This is our first time talking. It's very evident that you're, you're clear on that. So, man, let's talk a little bit about gut health. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about exercise too, but I'd love to to talk a little bit about gut health and, and where you're at with that. You mentioned some things earlier, if you don't have the right... A lot of people talk about the gut bacteria, the small intestine, all the different, the microbiome in there and how it's so important. You also mentioned having enough hydrochloric acid. I mean, how do we know if we have an issue in, in with either of those things? And how would we deal with
1: that until we can... Hire someone like you, Ben. Yeah. Most people that I've found have digestive issues. Most humans have digestive issues. This is unfortunate, right? Because if your dog has diarrhea, you immediately take it to the vet. But like, I've had clients who have I've had like really, really high end athletes who've had diarrhea for like 10 years. I'm like, you didn't think that was a problem? 10 um, years so, every day?
0: Yeah. Like, consistently, every meal?
1: Wow. Yeah, consistently, dude. It's common. I think like you take enough NO Explode, like, you can going things through the track. <laughs> I think we've all been there and right? I've been there. I've screwed up more than everybody. And so and I'll, I'll be the first to admit that. And so GI health to me, it comes one thing, one thing where a lot of functional medicine practitioners don't want to go is, is the brain. Because you think the microbiome is complex. You think genetics is complex. You start getting into the brain and, like, the basal ganglia, the cerebellum. Like, the cerebellum has more neurons than the the entire cortex, right? Like, this, like, people, you talk. So, that's how important human movement is. Like, the master calibrator of your movement has more neurons than your brain, right? And most of the things that are, most of the information coming in there is coming in, not going out. So, Mm -hmm. movement literally turns on your brain. Now, the brain turns on digestion. So, chewing feeds back on cranial five. Which is the vagal nerve and stimulates the digestive process. So if you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off, you're not going to be able to digest your food. Like you're not going to secrete pancreatic enzymes. You're not going to make HCL very well, right? So there's the first thing. Like you're so stressed. saying right?
0: over exercise, running around without your head cut off. You're, you mean overstressed or over Being exercise?
1: Okay. Like however it's
0: causing it. Too much caffeine. Regulation.
1: Okay. So humans are designed to live the polyvagal theory is a great book for your people to pick up. We're designed to live in a parasympathetic state, which is essentially rest and digest. The majority of the human time if you watch primates and other great apes, like they're not running from tigers all the time. Most <laughs> right. of the time just like honestly, chimps are either eating or grooming themselves. And then we look at most humans' lives they don't touch each other, and we're constantly on our phones, right? So I, we're so far away from how human beings should should live, right? And so most of our lives are supposed to be parasympathetic, and that's going to allow us to digest food, because being parasympathetic is going to bring blood flow to your GI tract, and it's going to allow you to secrete digestive enzymes. When you go to train, you're anytime you go over sixty percent VO two max, you're going to going to go sympathetic, mm-hmm. and you're going to move. You're going to move blood to your working muscles in your lungs, in your heart. And you should, because that's what your body wants to do. It doesn't care about digesting food. It doesn't care about making testosterone. It doesn't care about all the things it wants to do. The, it's the body's running to... from
0: a tiger, even though it's it wants... uh, yeah a barbell. And
1: that's not bad. And that's not bad. We, you cannot be running from a tiger all the time. That's a recipe for disaster. So that's square one. And we know that if you're stressed out of your mind, your secretory IgA in your GI tract is going to go down. Secretory IgA is like your first line of defense. Dogs have thousands of times more secretory IgA. That's why they can sniff each other's butts and and eat poop and be okay, whereas we would get really sick. And so we don't have as much secretory IgA. So if you think about someone who's who's stressed out of their mind, right, now they've just opened themselves up to kind of opportunistic type infections. And so now if you don't fix that, if you give somebody an antibiotic, did you really fix that person? Not at all. Same thing in the functional medicine world. You gave them some digestive enzymes. Same thing.
0: Right. Right. You're,
1: you're now you're just using a supplement instead of a pill. So you want to you want to maximize digestion. Chew your food 30 times. Relax. Have food with others. Be, eat slower. Most guys eat like snakes. We just shovel shit in, right? <laughs> um, be mindful of your food. Mindfulness is probably always the answer. If you're more mindful of your life, if you cook your food, you're gonna. Spend more time with it. You, you're going to enjoy it. You're going to have a sense of gratitude. There's no easy answer for digestion. It is basically, it's it equals our entire life. It's going to be, that's what our digestion is. Like your microbiome, you are the wolf that you feed. You eat a bunch of vegetables and good food, you're going to have a good microbiome. Fastest way to change your microbiome is to eat change your diet. I put you in a different time zone with a different diet, your microbiome changes.
0: Yeah, So you said so much there, so important. And it's interesting that you emphasize stress as the biggest that was an aha moment for me that was an epiphany for me a little bit because I'm thinking okay well what do I do I take some glutamine and some digestive enzymes and a probiotic or a prebiotic and and you're saying well if you're living this fucked up crazy stressed out life damage control is the best that you can hope for and you live in City, am I wrong? You live in... I'm in England. Miami Beach, which seem you think, oh, Miami yeah. Beach. Oh, it's stressful here. It's like not yeah. as bad as New York, but it's stressful here. Okay. I fucked so, that
1: up. <laughs> what, what's that? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, so I I don't know, like a human being in a city. I don't know, man. I just, I just don't know. I don't know if we can do it. Like you don't see the horizon. You're going to have to be pretty cognizant of, of what you need to do. You're going to have to like breathing. You're going to have to make an effort to change your life because the American society right now is so plugged in, right? Everybody's yeah. nee. the hustle is real, man. And so you can't be on the hustle when you're trying to eat your food. Just look at Gary V. That guy looks like he's dying fast.
0: I <laughs> um, <laughs> love Gary, but yeah,
1: he, uh, dude, dude, he's, he amazing, right? he's amazing yeah. at what he does, but someone needs to tell him, Hey man, slow down. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But, uh, to me, it's, If you wanna digest your food, you gotta slow down a little bit. Another thing to think about is like, we're on the verge of like potting your cats, which is if you train kids, you're almost losing your mind right now. Because, so the third generation of pot like once you, the first generation of micronutrient deficient animals isn't that bad. Second generation, they start seeing some stupid shit. The third generation, those cats can't detach their claws. They're really, they can't procreate, they're really screwed up. So you look at when our food supply started changing, now we're, we're getting three generations away from that. And you're starting to see some kids. Like if you train kids, you know what I'm talking about. They can't move. They're hooked to their phones. And it's a sad state of affairs. And we need to do something for those people. And that's why I'm so passionate about what I do is because we have to get people better. Because otherwise we're screwed,
0: man. Yeah, you mentioned Pottinger's cats. And for anyone who isn't listening, there was a study done where this guy fed the cat's What
1: milk and sugar or something like that? He fed them. Yeah, can can you? Their normal diet of raw food. Yeah, he fed them the normal the cats the normal diet of raw food, and then he fed them the essentially a micronutrient deficient diet, and he looked at what happened over generations with those cats. Which obviously
0: progressively got worse. And what is that? An epigenetic
1: phenomenon. Yeah, that would most likely be an epigenetic phenomenon. Like the agouti mice is probably the best epigenetic. So the agouti gene is, it makes, it's, um, this is research by Randy Jurdle. It's kind of seminal research in the epigenetics field. They gave the pregnant mice with the agouti gene, they gave them genistein, which is a soy isoflavin. And then those fat mice were no longer fat. So they they were supposed to be fat from, they're supposed to be white and fat from an agouti gene, but then they weren't. And it was actually like dose dependent as well. So like, and so the same thing could happen if you're deficient in micronutrients, the best one don't want to go down like a methylation rabbit hole, but like methylation, methylation turns genes on and off. Right. And so if you're deficient in folic acid, this was a great thing, right? In the early nineties, we stopped all these neural tube defects because neural tube defects are related to a folate deficiency. So now what happens when you're deficient in like 17 things? Mm. for three generations yeah That's and a, you don't breast the kid
0: yeah and they're hooked on their phone and they don't right they're tr- even kids if you need try so
1: much more sleep kids need like 11 hours of sleep they need to be in bed and now they got to go to school at like 7 a.m. right they're constantly sleep deprived any anyway, constantly fastest yeah. way Stanford research fastest way to get a college athlete better make them sleep 2 more hours what was the research there like there's could be wrong on the numbers. 70% increase in performance from two hours more in bed. They didn't even tell them to sleep. They were like, dude, just stay in bed for two mm. more hours. So stay in so- bed for
0: two more hours. It wasn't tweaking their periodization program or taking a supplement or following a particular diet. It was just sleeping two hours or more or not even sleeping, just spending two hours more in bed, relaxing. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, Ben, man, we've been at this for an hour and I got to say, my mind is a bit blown. You are a wealth of knowledge. You're obviously very well studied on all this stuff and you understand you understand this health, this optimal health question in deep detail. Have a very deep knowledge about it. And I, I appreciate and respect you for that. I want to wrap things up. I think we'll have to have you back on it talk a little bit more in depth about some of these things, maybe perhaps explain, maybe stick to maybe just one thing, but I really (laughs) had a good time. Well, it was awesome. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: It it was awesome. And it's always fun speaking to someone like yourself for the first time. It it brings up so many more questions than it answers usually, which is great. But uh, for the people who would like to contact you, who are interested, you do retreats for people to help them get better. You also, I know you're not taking clients on right now or patients on right now because I looked at your services, but perhaps by the time this comes out in a couple weeks, you will be. Where do you want them to go to learn more about what you do? If anyone did want to contact you to get some lab work done, where would they go?
1: Yeah, so my website's functional medicine Costa Rica. There's a ton of there's a ton of blog posts or articles, whatever you want to call them on there. I also wrote a, oh, I hope what I've done here is I've showed you the complexity, right? I've helped you respect the complexity of the situation. So I wrote a book called Still Standing, which is a fictional, it's about a fictional character. It's about his story. So I've tried to like grab the reader and tell a story. Mm -hmm. And then the end, the, the second part is, is, is somewhat like our talk today. Like it's a talk amongst doctors. Again, it's, it's all dialogue. That's my kind of my thing right now is I want to write for short functional medicine stories that go over certain cases and have them be fun. Right. I think we we can get lost in the fact this is very fun. It's fun for me to talk shop like this. And I and and I'll always take on some clients. I think I know I will in my life. But my, that's not my primary goal. I see a lot of athletes. I have that opportunity. It's, it's a great honor. I like to work with kind of some really cool cases. Not to say that the 20-pound the overweight man is not a cool case, but you need to sleep. You need to eat more vegetables. Then maybe spend $700 to come talk to me, right? Because that's what I'm going to tell you to do anyway. But I have some guys that are they're trying to push the boundaries. And, and I'm, I'm going to refer you out if you're a female. I don't work outside my niche very often. My real goal It's to train thinkers. It's to kind of change, maybe not change the continuing education model, but really help people to have this mindset, have this skeptic mindset and have like want to understand the complexity. They want to they want to know how to make the Kool-Aid. They don't want to just be given the Kool-Aid. That's my goal right now. And so I have two retreats a year. One's in Costa Rica. The other one is in the Hill Country in Texas. We spend five days just straight nerding out. And more than that, we spend five to six hours and continuing at like structured learning. But then we live it, man. We see the sun, we train, we meditate, we do things together. And it sounds kind of hippie and cultish, but it's how human beings are meant to live. And I think you give people a taste of that. Like sometimes all this talk, it doesn't really move people. And that's what I found through the retreats is is like you give it to them, right? They have this top of the mountain type experience and then they want to live it. 'Cause they feel amazing. They're like, holy shit, my life is fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's powerful, right? That's powerful because then they can change it. There's always gonna be some degree of change and, and you have to decide what your health is worth in your life. I've had a lot of clients, you know, where they, they're millionaires, maybe even multi-millionaire CEOs, right? And they're like, I don't really care about my health. I want my kids to be rich. And so like that client, if you have if you're a personal trainer and you have that client. Be very careful of that client because their why is not very big. You want to search out people that where their why is their why is big, and that's my goal. I have applications for the retreats. If you're not about this life, I don't want to hang out with you.
0: Yeah, well said and uh, very inspiring. So if you're someone who's looking to get into this arena, and I know we talked a little bit about your retreats before, and you said that a lot of strength coaches and, and people like me show up to your retreats, to learn more, get in-depth knowledge, but also to put it into practice. So if you're listening and that sounds right for you, definitely check out what Dr. Ben House has going on at functionalmedicinecostarica.com. And like you said, Ben, you got a wealth of information on there in the articles. And you can very quickly figure out if you're the right guy for the job because... Uh, Man, you made me work today with talking about all the nuances, but I want the truth, right? I want to know what there is to know. I don't want to say I just don't want someone to tell me, "Well, just take this supplement and you'll be fine" or, you know, "just eat paleo and you'll be fine." Those are all just starting points and sometimes they get rid of people's problems and other times, you know, you need to get more in depth. You need to get deeper. And I appreciate you and respect you for that. And man, I had a blast Thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing your knowledge with us today.
1: Thank you, man. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, man. It's It's been really fun. Thank you for having me.
0: I know that was a long interview and pretty complex, but I hope you have taken away the appreciation of how nuanced health can be and how nobody really knows what optimal health is. And here, I'm going to leave you with one big takeaway. And that takeaway is if you're trying to be your own doctor, if you're trying to diagnose yourself, if you're trying different supplements to see what works, to see what doesn't, you're fooling yourself. You should hire someone like Dr. Ben or Dr. Brian or any of the great functional medicine guys who come on here or any of the doctors who I've had on here who can help you. He can go a bit deeper and solve that problem. But if this went way over your head, understand that you are not equipped to treat yourself. And I include myself in that as much as I know, I need to talk with someone like Ben to help me. And I do consult with people like that whenever I have a problem that isn't being solved. So I hope that was the big takeaway for me. I can't wait to learn more. Make sure you go check out Dr. Ben's website at functionalmedicinecostarica.com. And again, make sure you check out my muscle building course. If you're someone struggling to put on lean muscle mass, if you're a quote unquote hard gainer, if you're working out in the gym but not seeing results from all your effort, check out legendarylivepodcast.com, click on the store, read about the muscle building course, just click on the tab. It'll tell you about what it is and who it's for. And if it resonates with you, I want you to try it out. And again, show me your before and after pictures. Nutrition is the limiting factor for so many people. And I go into nutrition, sleep, lifestyle, and more in this course. And it not only helps you build mass, but it also helps promote your health. That's how I've got Make sure you check it out if you're looking to build lean muscle mass and I will speak with you soon.